0: Welcome to the Heartbreak Kids Podcast, where we explore what connects us all in our yoga practice and in our lives. This is where I talk to people about their stories, who they are, what they've been through, and where they're going. And in this podcast, that's what we explore. I believe deep down inside, we're all connected, which explains why we bring ourselves to the top of our mat every day. Welcome to the Heartbreak Kids. So welcome to the next edition of the Heartbreak Kids. I'm here with Satinder Khalsa. And, um, you know, over the last, I would say, six years or so, um, we've met in Mysore. I've watched him online. I've I've heard about his teaching. I've got to go to his old community and teach there. And uh he always says some really intriguing stuff on his post and you know, he kinda of blows me away with like the vulnerability and all of this. And I you know, Satender, I really wanted you to be on the show, so I, I appreciate you being on and uh, I'm excited to hear some of some of what you have to share.
1: God, now that's a that's an intro. Now how do I blow you away today? That's I have to think yeah. about that.
0: <laughs> you gotta, you gotta <laughs> drop into the knowledge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So let's, uh, I always like to start with background. Um, If you, if anyone's ever, any of the listeners ever listen to my podcast, I always like to start with just like, you know, who you were before yoga, like in high school in college, like in those like formative years, like, you know, uh, what, what did you do? What, what were your activities? Like, how were you as a, like a, a, like a child almost?
1: Um, oh my god. I was probably nowadays they would call me an emo kid probably. I was <laughs> very very shy, almost backwards, and I hid behind my mother's leg even until I was like almost 10 years old, I think. If you believe that or not. I mean, wow. You know me as the outspoken person I am now, but I, um, I pretty well kept to myself. I, d- I used to draw. I created my own comic books and superheroes and stuff because I read, you know, Marvel and DC Comics. Sure. Um, I was raised in a Baptist church, so I always, I didn't really know it at the time how oppressed I felt, but when you look back, you're like, wow, we were really oppressed, you know, because all these kids were able to do stuff and we weren't really able to do stuff, so...
0: Yeah, that's a hard, I, I mean, I came from a pretty evangelical, um, right. you know, Christian, first church of God, and and uh, I realized that too. Uh, maybe not as much as what you had, but definitely, I mean, I grew up in Sunday school. Like, yeah,
1: we went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and if there was a revival, you were in that fucker, you know, five nights a week. <laughs> Saturday night was, you went all day Saturday and all day Sunday. It was just like...
0: Wow. And is your mom still practicing? You know, is she still part of the religion? No,
1: my mom. Listen, I was so mad because I turned 18 and I literally moved out of the house about two weeks later and her and my sister quit going to church. And I was like, what are you doing? You have to torture my sister until she moves out. This is not fair. You know, Um, I think (laughs) she took us there because her parents took her and that's what she thought she was supposed to do, you know?
0: Oh, gotcha.
1: I think she's... My mom's pretty cool, though, now. She's pretty open-minded, and I've put her through a lot. So she's gotten... She's kind of had to open up her mind and uh, embrace different ideas of things. And I think I was that way as a kid, too, you know?
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, so what were you like in high school? Like, I mean, were you in the band? I mean, were you still feeling like you were kind of backwards, or... I I had...
1: Ninth grade, I think, was like 84, 85, and I was 14, and I was so uh, repressed within myself that our doctor, it was like the last year you could go to the pediatrician, you know, and our doctor told us, told me, he asked my mom to leave the room, and he took me aside and said, you have to start letting this out or you're going to get an aneurysm. And he kind of explained to me what an aneurysm was and how... I was kind of psychologically damaging myself and I started letting everything out then. And wow. I got a little bit more outgoing, but I still hated school. So I would never join anything. Gotcha. Um, Did you do good in school though? Uh, I was a straight C student. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was excellent in French. I had an A plus in French. I was excellent in typing, you know, cause back then we had typing classes. I think we're around the same age, right?
0: Uh, I'm me. I'm 39.
1: Oh no, you're young. You're younger than me. Way younger than me. Back then, we had typing classes, and I was super good at typing. Like I typed 110 words a minute on it on those oh, old wow. keyboards. So I had an a plus in that. But I really hated school. I liked the idea of being free and being who I wanted to be and school didn't feel like that to me. I was reading sci-fi and everything then, you know, I read Shirley McLean when I was 14 and that's how I heard about yoga the first time. So, oh wow! Um, and everybody back then thought she was crazy because she was writing about aliens and, you know, <laughs> that kind of opened up my mind. Oh, there's more out there
0: than this Baptist church. Okay. So, I mean, was the Baptist church like basically your whole life there um, because you spent so much time there?
1: or I don't th- – you know, I think I lived in a fantasy world. I don't think I, I, don't think I ever really acknowledged that I was there. Yeah, so. I even taught Sunday school when I was like 14. What? To, yes, to like uh, kindergartners. I taught the kindergarten class while I did it, though, to get out of sitting in church, sitting through the sermon upstairs.
0: Yeah, it might be better.
1: Yeah. So we <laughs> had fun down there. You know, we were telling them Bible stories, but we were coloring and we were drawing and we were talking to the kids. And so me and this friend of mine, Angie, did this class. And then my mom found out I was really only doing it to get out of sitting upstairs. So she kind of didn't let me do it anymore.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And so did you, I mean, I'm assuming you graduated. Did you go into college or no?
1: No, I didn't. I, Mm -hmm. I had, uh, two cousins who worked at this stock brokerage firm in St. Louis. I lived in Illinois at the time. I grew up in Illinois, about 45 minutes from St. Louis, Missouri. And, um, my two cousins had been working there for 10 years, I think, And one of them got me an interview with her boss, and I just started working there. I graduated high school on June 3rd of 1988, and I started this job on June 6th, so the following Monday of 1988, and then two weeks later, I moved out. Um, So I worked at a stock brokerage firm, and that's really where I learned uh, how to not be a Christian.
0: (laughs) you learned about That's greed where I learned and that there was
1: alcohol and all kinds of stuff, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. And how old were you then? 18. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I had, so just yeah, just I had, a baby walking into the a boiler room.
1: Yeah. And I was in the cashier cage, they called it, which is where the actual certificates of stock and bonds and mutual funds were held. So we dealt with, so we had a locked cage. We had to stay in all day long. So, um, but you know, for an 18-year-old, I was making like $150 a week, I think. <laughs> it was nothing now, but back then I felt like I was rich, and it was pretty awesome. Wow, that and is And I awesome. moved to the big city, you know? I was a small-town kid, and none of those kids moved to St. Louis. I'm like, why wouldn't you move over here? It's the closest thing to culture we've got. I think you guys are crazy. So I was, I was excited.
0: Yeah. And you stayed there?
1: I stayed there until... Um, even in my first couple trips to Mysore, I was still going back there. 2016 is when I finally left. Wow! Yeah,
0: that's crazy. Yeah. So w- after the stock, you know, the stock brokerage job, like, w- what was the the next step on your your journey?
1: So um, about 2000, the year 2000 is when I started doing a little yoga, and through that, I bought a yoga journal and heard about Ashtanga yoga through this yoga journal so i started doing ashtanga yoga at my house by myself um for five months before i went and did a tour with patabi joyce and that really was what woke me up to the fact that i'm like why am i sitting at this desk because you know you know yoga kind of wakes you up on a cellular level you're kind of i don't think you have control but to Start looking at all of your stuff, especially Ashtanga because it's so, you know, intense.
0: Right.
1: That really digs in deep. And I started looking, why am I sitting here? And then nine eleven happened. And about, that was September, October, November. About November, they decided they were going to do a layoff because the market had dropped so much. And they were going to do the layoff at the end of the fiscal year, which was February the end of February that, uh, 2002, uh, I think. Yeah. And so I decided I was going to take it because they gave us access to our, um, 401k and to everything. So I just took all the money and paid taxes and, uh, didn't do anything for a couple of years, but yoga, I was going to travel to Mysore, but the was on tour. So I decided I went to Maui, and saw him there, and I stayed and practiced with Nancy Gilgoff. So really, yoga was the next thing. Wow. Um, so you, you kind of
0: dove right into uh, you know, the deep end.
1: Yeah. I, I was taking – there was one lady in St. Louis who wasn't really an Ashtangi, but she was teaching a little beginner's class, and, and then she had a regular class where she would teach as much of primary series as she could and I went to her little eight-week session, you know, like one night a week. And the other sure. days, I was doing it at home. And she usually made people go to that two or three times. And she told me, it was kind of like dropping a fish in water. This, you got this, so come to the other class. And immediately, I started uh, digging into, like, where it came from and discovered, you know, Tabi Joyce Shrot, you know all the all the names that were out there, and uh, oh, right. Richard Freeman. And then I found out Richard Freeman was hosting him in Colorado, so I drove out to Colorado in August.
0: Wow. That's crazy. And yeah. I've also I also heard that you you know you um, you know did other a bunch of other different types of yoga too, right?
1: I started so when I found that yoga journal in the back of it was the ads for those old VHS tapes, you know that they had made in Yoga Works yes. Yeah intermediate and primary but next to the, so i ordered them but next to them was a picture of a uh, kundalini yoga videotape uh, done by gamuk she's within the kundalini world she's pretty famous and and she just looked so peaceful i thought okay i'm going to order that tape too so i ordered that tape and i would do it once a week on our day off and i hated it but I felt so good after I was done that I was like, okay, there's something to this, you know. So I was doing that videotape once a week or twice a week sometimes for years until St. Louis got a yoga, uh, Kundalini yoga teacher. And then I started doing that a lot. That's how I got my name was through that path.
0: Gotcha. So you, so you changed your name to set that Yeah, I did. I became Sikh. So
1: within the path of Kundalini yoga, it was brought to America by a Sikh, Yogi mm-hmm. Bhajan. And there's a lot of... Stuff with him going on right now, too. Um, so a lot of the people who, once they got really deep into it, would get baptized. And I was at a solstice event. They do solstice events um, in New Mexico and in Florida on winter and summer solstice. And I was at summer solstice, and I decided to get baptized. And I changed my name legally. My mom gave me her permission. She was like, okay with that.
0: Wow. And... That is pretty open-minded.
1: Yeah. Well, I to, I'm telling you, by that time, she's put up with a lot more since then. But, but at that time, she had already gotten, you know, I exposed her to all kinds of stuff, starting with Shirley MacLaine. She's like, why are you wanting to see every Shirley MacLaine movie? And I'm like, because that book changed my life, you know? Yeah. <laughs> 13-year-old kid reading this
0: book, and my mom's like, why are you reading these weird books? Yeah, that's... Um, I I, I mean, I've never read one of her books, but I've definitely heard stories of, of her and, and watched her in movies and TV shows yeah. and stuff.
1: So It was just the different ideas, you know. I hadn't been exposed to that because, you know, you're talking small-town America. You know what that's like. You're from yeah. that. Yeah, so it's, of course. you know, there's not a lot of open-mindedness in people thinking about that stuff. You know, and I'm going to high school and everybody's listening to KC95, which was Metallica and blah, 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 and, you know. And here I am listening to the Eurythmics and Cindy Lauper and Prince and, you know, they already thought I was weird.
0: I mean, but Prince and Cyndi Lauper are pretty cool.
1: Of course, we know that now. But back then, no one thought they were cool. Yeah. I mean, I was alive. I, well, I guess you were alive, too. But you were like <laughs> a baby in the mid-80s, no?
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> yes, yes, I was. And, uh, you know, it's crazy because, like, you know, in early two thousands, I got to sit uh, second row and watch Prince. Uh, in oh, culture, god! And it was unbelievable. He played thirty different instruments on yeah. stage. Everyone left. He played every instrument. He sang like his, you know, the songs that you wanted to hear, uh, Raspberry Beret, yeah. all that stuff. And I, I mean, he's always been like an inspiration of mine because it's just so talented.
1: He did, uh, when I was living, so I lived in St. Louis back and forth a little bit between Illinois, and there's a little town called Collinsville about 20 minutes from from the St. Louis city limits. And I lived there in the back of a friend's house. He had this nice little apartment for maybe six years. And Prince came and instead of coming into St. Louis, he did a concert at this little town hall in collinsville and i bought a fucking ticket and i'm like i'm going to see prince you know and he was like six feet from my face and i was like this is awesome
0: yeah it's crazy yeah so him I, Hit.
1: go ahead sorry
0: well I, I mean i was gonna say like after his concert there was this little concert hall and he did uh, after hours there mm. and i mean literally it was just un- it was an unbelievable night Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I was, I was starstruck to be honest with you. It was, I was like 25 or 20 something and watching him, I'm just like, whoa. I mean, he was super short too. And I was just like, yeah, he's like five foot four or something. Five foot two. It was tiny. It's crazy. Another
1: person I'm going to tell you, I don't know why I feel like this, but you said about him playing all those instruments. I saw Dolly Parton live one time at this big hall in St. Louis and She writes every song and she played every instrument. She played 48 instruments that night and she counted it down because she said that's what she's wanted to do on this tour is test herself. When she records an album, she writes every word. She sings every lyric, even the background lyrics. And she plays every instrument on the album, and they just dub it over each other. She does it every album, and I'm like, "What? <laughs> this is crazy!" Wow, so that is crazy. There's talent in weird places, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, she's definitely an inspiration too. Like, she does a bunch of good work. So oh, right
1: um, now, especially, she's doing lots of great stuff for yeah. with all this stuff going on, in, on you know, in our country <laughs> right yeah. now.
0: For sure. And so let's, uh, let's get back to the yoga a little yep. bit. We took a little detour, um, but so, uh, but that was all good stuff. We got a lot of common interests. So, um, you know, you went to Maui, you're studying with Patabi Joyce. Tell me what that experience was like for you.
1: So I had already been with him for a week, two weeks in Boulder, Colorado. And so I already knew what to expect from that. Cause you know, back at that time they were just doing lead classes. And if you, know me at all you know i i despise lead classes i think i write about it on facebook how much i don't like lead classes so yeah, it was not my favorite but my first time in colorado shirat i couldn't do um reach out in a because my lumbar spine was degenerative my family my dad and my sister all have kind of really bad lower spines and shirat sat down with me and put me in it every day for a week and the second week I could do it all on my own. It was pretty awesome.
0: Wow, that's amazing.
1: So the second, that time with Nancy, I went there a little early and practiced with Nancy for a week. And then Patabi was there for only a week. And then I stayed for five weeks more with and practiced with Nancy Gilgoff. Um, that week was, it was very intense because there were so many people who were following him around. And... Yeah he's you know he was kind of in his rare form and he said his little funny things to make everybody laugh kind of like shirat does in a lead class you know um and then i took one day off so i could take photos because everybody back home had decided they wanted me to take pictures and i said well i'm gonna have to take a day off practice and listen the thing i was sitting there taking photos and shirat actually walked over to me and he said why aren't you practicing? You should be practicing. I said, I'm sorry. I'm taking pictures for my friends back home. He said, oh, they should have come if they want to take, if they want to see pictures. (laughs) You know, it was kind of funny. I really had a transformative time staying there. It wasn't being with Patabi as much as it was just kind of Maui itself gives you this sense of relaxation you know, you're getting, it's kind of like going to Mysore. You're getting up and doing yoga in the morning and really you don't have anything else to do. So in Maui, you go to the beach, you know, you get a lot of sun, you eat really great food. Um, you have time to kind of contemplate and, uh, you know.
0: Yeah, you get to, de- it's like a vacation.
1: Really. It's like a vacation, but you also have time to kind of mentally dig into the stuff and how it's making you feel and feel, figure out what you, what direction you want to go with your life you know I never I never thought about that stuff until yoga kind of started making me break myself down to the bare bones and seeing what I was made of you know
0: yeah yeah for sure I mean I feel like yoga has given giving me my passion and my purpose and you know helped me to understand like what kind of person I can be right yeah and, and, and I never had time I mean I never contemplated that stuff I I never even thought it was a priority. I was like, Well, we just get nine to five jobs and that's what we do and we
1: get Yeah, it. you're supposed to get a job. My grandma yeah. lectured me, Honey, you have a good job and they pay you. Why would you leave the job? And I'm like, Grandma, I hate this job. Sorry. What do you yeah. want me to, to stay well,
0: here? I, it's like that generation just doesn't understand. I mean, even like my, my dad's generation, I feel like, and maybe your mom's generation too. Yeah. Where they just like don't they don't get it, you know? It's like it's like I don't wanna work nowadays for something that just like feels like it's killing me. Right. Yeah. It's, it's too much. It's too much for me. It's too big of a burden to to bear. And it's just like some, I don't want to do the things that I don't want to do anymore.
1: (laughs) Well, and that's, I mean, isn't that the way it really should be? And if you're happy and if you're feeling fulfilled by what you're doing, aren't you going to be a better person and bring more to the world? I mean, I think that's, that's something you got to think about. That's not the generation. That's not what they thought about though. You know, they were mm-hmm. like worried about paying the bills and yeah, all that kind of stuff.
0: For sure. And so you took a hiatus from Ashtanga yoga. Yeah. I, I, I've i read this in your post. So let's talk about why, why did you go from practicing with Patabi Joyce and Sharat and now in and Boulder and then all of a sudden, like, you know, take a break from it.
1: So I, that wasn't until about 2008, I actually took the break. I was practicing mostly at home by myself. So oh, wow. I was also, when I was in Maui, I had learned intermediate series in those five weeks. And started on third series. Because Nancy moves you quick. Wow. And Tabby used to move people pretty quick, too. Shrot, you know, we know is a little bit more conservative with handing out the postures Um, and I was hurting myself all the time because I was kind of trying to force my leg behind my head instead of you know giving my hip the time it took to open up and so then your knees taking the pressure of that you know I was having a lot of that kind of physical pain not while I was practicing but when I was trying to walk after practice my knee would (laughs) hurt I couldn't go upstairs and I'm like what's going on and I I had taken, there was a lady, um, St. Louis didn't have much Ashtanga. I was pretty much it. I taught there for a little while. Um, And there was a lady who I was teaching at some studio with, I believe. And she, there was a guy coming in town who was an Anyasara teacher, but he had come from Ashtanga and she said, I think you'll like him. So I went to the weekend workshop and after doing you know 10 hours of yoga i didn't have any pain at all and i thought okay i'm doing something wrong uh in my practice if i'm hurting like that you know i i I should i should be able to function as a normal person walk across the street and you know drive my car without pains and i it it was hard for me because i loved ashtanga ashtanga was my new addiction you know it was like instead of cigarettes i was and alcohol i was doing practice and um so I, uh, it was, it was like tearing me apart to do it. So I, but I, I slowly did it and I tried to do some Anya kind of the alignment principles that they used within an Ashtanga practice, but then you would take like four hours to practice because they do everything so intensely. It's It's like an Iyengar thing, uh, yeah. but, but, but a little bit more flowery words they used. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I just decided I was going to stop it. And, you know, kundalini, was pretty intense and I got more into that and the intensity of that, I, I think fed me that thing ashtanga gave me that I was, I would have missed otherwise, sure. but I was learning the kind of the principles that were of keeping my body in a certain way that actually helped me a lot. And then I eventually got away from that and just did kundalini yoga and, it was like 2011 or 12, might've been early 2012. I one day practiced Ashtanga and I was like, oh, I forgot how good that feels, you know?
0: Right. And I, I mean, had, Do you, you feel like when you came back to it that you had like sort of a different mindset or you were maybe a little bit more mature?
1: I was more mature for sure. I think my mindset was not so pushy. I wasn't going to push myself. But I also decided that I needed to, get a teacher, you know, I wanted someone to give me some input from the outside that was seeing something that I wasn't feeling, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. And do you think that, uh, I mean, do you think it was like how fast the poses were given to you or or do you feel like it was just the mindset that you had behind it? I think it was was both.
1: I think the mindset led itself. So the quick poses thought, oh, this is great. I'm getting all these. I got to push harder to do more, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's not, I'm not that person anymore. I mean, I just don't. I don't I'd rather do half of primary the rest of my life than try to kill myself to do fourth series, you know. Right. I'm, I'm not going to do it.
0: So, yeah, it 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 just it takes a lot and yeah. you got you know to even to do third or fourth like on a daily basis, I I just think that you just have to take care of yourself on a, a level that I think most people can't really. And you also have to have good genetics too, let's be right. real.
1: Right. And I, I had bad genetics, really. I mean, my body works and it's pretty well, but I had a, my spine was a mess. So doing that stuff, forcing it into these positions, um, wasn't making it very happy (laughs) to say the, to say it nicely. My body was like, why the fuck are you doing to me? This
0: isn't right. You know? Yeah. I mean, it feels like you're being just ripped apart.
1: Right. Right. And I can do it from a different perspective now and I don't have a problem with it. You know, it doesn't do the same thing to me, but I also don't care so much. Does that
0: make, (laughs) it sounds horrible. No, I mean, I get it. I mean, I'm, I'm not in any race where I feel like when I was, you know, 27, trying to get into second series or trying to get in the back half of primary series, like I was freaking ambitious as hell. Right. You know, now Shrot gives me poses and I'm like, oh, oh was, no, it's too painful. <laughs> Can I just leave that one alone? <laughs> you know, like this year in, in uh, Mysore, I went in January, which feels like a lifetime ago. Um, you know, like I stood up for my drop backs and I put my hands on my, above my knees and I was kind of like squatted down. Shrot's like, what are you doing? you know, like screams at me, like, what What are you doing? You Don't do that. Don't do that. And I'm yeah. just like, my back hurts, right? <laughs> like, like he my doesn't back
1: want hurts. you to forward bend after a back bend, though, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, clearly he didn't want that to happen. And I, I mean, I wasn't actually like folding, folding forward. I was like sort of like an athletic stance, but I was like, right. it hurts, man. I'm catching my knees every day. Right. Like, right. I don't want to do this anymore. right. right. Yeah, so you
1: got to go so you were at the new shala then. How I I'm curious. Do you mind me asking you how you felt about it?
0: I mean, I thought it was one of the best things that has occurred in the Ashtanga tradition for a really long time. Really? Why? I was uh ridiculously skeptical about it because like I thought that there was, you know, some sort of thing that uh made it the the old shala like kind of made Ashtanga a little bit more steeping or something right, like that right, yeah right. there was some other depth but what i realized is that um at the old shallow like um with that many people it, the energy was erratic and it was too intense it was too intense that's for sure yeah, it, yeah. It, it was too too intense and so uh being jam-packed and then you know also being mindful of the people around you so that you don't kick them in the face or right. any of that stuff with um added to the level of like anxiety that I don't even think people knew that it they were it was present there, and then um you know, like the pushing at the gate and yeah. then we for, formed a line which helped a little bit of like you know the stampede to get in to get your spot, I uh, just added to this uh, almost competitive uh over ambitious I gotta get mine. Where it stopped feeling like yoga for me right and and but i still loved it i mean i i thought it was important like the whole space was important but i went into the the new shawl and i was i think they started in i don't know maybe november last year and and i didn't get to go until january so i was like one of the last months that i got to go and um you know there there there's no pushing there was at least uh, two feet of space between, you know, mats, mm. and I got to practice like my third series practice and not have to worry about kicking the people in the face. I'm six three, so like right. that that felt really good. And then I also got to witness like how how happy Shrot was, and that really blew me away. He was he was genuinely happy. Like the space was cooler. Everyone was less agitated. Their uh, Usha was like, you know, on top of her game, and that Heidi lady was on top of her game. Like it was a well-run machine, instead of it being sort of like push to get your spot, figure out how to get your money in so that you can, you right. know, that you know that you can practice. Uh, it, uh, we weren't crowding the streets. It, it was, I mean, it was the best trip that I've ever been on. To my wow, service. that's great. I, I was that's- only there for a month.
1: Dean and, told me the same thing because he was there too. I think around that yeah. time, right?
0: Yeah, I think he went the month before, if I'm not mistaken. I, I didn't get to see him, but um, I, you know, it was just all around. It blew me away. Um, I was very skeptical in the beginning, but it was it was an amazing experience because it felt so. Um, um, I mean, it, it felt so good in there. Um, it was good energy, like for some reason, you know, there's always been like, and, and there's been a lot of things that have happened in the Ashtanga tradition, you know, from Shrop move in, to the Patabi Joy stuff to, you know, just so many different right. things that have come out. And um, the people that were there, it wasn't gossipy. They weren't hateful. They were supportive. Like everyone was grateful to be there. Um, you know, there wasn't any like uh, caught, or there wasn't any, um, you know, like breakfast room gossip that was happening. It, w- it was, it felt the best that it's ever felt. That's the great. people, the people that were like, you know, I think, uh, sort of on the fence about all of the Patabi Joy stuff and whether or not they should still follow Sharat because of all this crap. And, and then all, then the next uh, step was like, you know, people were skeptical about the shala. like the people that were there, they were the best people that I've been around. Mm. And, and i've been there i don't even know how many times There's a lot of new people right yeah i mean yeah. It, was, it was about i mean i would say there was about a quarter of people that i knew there and then there the rest i didn't know i mean you know so three quarters of the people i didn't know that's great did you take marge <laughs> say it again marge
1: marge who's marge think about it you're michaela
0: Oh, yeah. I Remember forgot
1: how angry she got when I called her Marge? Yeah. What did she call you? She couldn't say it. I think she remembers she couldn't She couldn't say it. She made, squirtle, uh, screwed up her face and was like, I can't say that name. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I said, well, I can't say Michaela, so I'm going to call you Marge. <laughs> she
0: she didn't get to go. She had to stay on no. and uh, go to school. I was there with Isaiah and Xavier um, and my wife, too, so – yeah. Uh, well, okay. So we took another sidetrack. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, right. but that, I do that a lot. It's all good stuff. Um, so what about, uh, you know, I don't even know where we were just to be honest with you, but I, I want to know like why you came back and like why you reconnected with, with the stronger practice. You said it felt good. Yeah. Like, was there something else that kind of drew you in. Um,
1: I am a lazy person, very lazy. I like I like to say I grew up laying on the couch, watching T V with my mom. She was on the couch and I was on a chair. It was the first thing I ever did that was as athletic as it is and I enjoyed it and I so when I was doing these other things, um, the Anyasara and the Kundalini Yoga, you know you're getting some of that. The kundalini is really about energy and you really feel almost like you stuck your finger in a light socket a little bit too much.
0: Yeah.
1: Ashtanga, so I was, uh, a guy talked me into teaching him Ashtanga. And so I just started practicing with him and kind of teaching him that way. Mm -hmm. And through that, I realized, oh, I forgot, you know, I'm a little sore using these muscles again, but I really feel good. And it was instead of like, To me, it was energizing like the Kundalini, but it didn't make me feel like I was over the edge. It still made me feel grounded, you know, because we, especially primary series, because you are on your feet in standing and then you're sitting on your butt. So, I really felt grounded. Mm -hmm. And I was glad to get back to a level of athleticism that was also mentally, emotionally, and if you will, spiritually transformational at the same time. So... I just started recognizing, oh, this is why I love this so much. You know, how did I get away from it? And then I he said, Well, I wanna do more than once a week. And I said, Okay, so we did twice a week. And then like by the time three weeks was gone, he was coming over five times. And so I was back up to five days a week doing it with him. Wow. And I at the time couldn't do all the postures anymore because I, you know, my back was kind of still It was back to its old agitated self. So it took me a little while, but I got back into it. So um, it just, and I decided I'm going to have to do something. So uh, Chicago was only like a four and a half hour drive. So I drove up there and saw Kino and I think Mark Roberts was up there and I went up and saw him and I just did some stuff like that um, to kind of get some input from people. And then I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this, right, I got to go to Mysore. It's time. I should have done. I should have been to Mysore 14 years ago, but I haven't been. So, um, so that's why. It what felt
0: I, like it was the time.
1: Yeah, it all worked out the way it was supposed to. I If I had went in 2000, I would have been going to the old, old Shala in Lakshmi Portam, which at the time was having 150 people waiting at the gate, you know, waiting in line. And, you know, you're kind of sitting there for until 11 a.m. maybe to get your time slot so it would have been would have been a different experience for sure but um i got in at the old still just when shroud was you could not you could do it without you didn't have to apply you did apply but you could extend by days you know and you always had a meeting with him when you left and like people would give him a gift and stuff that kind of thing do you remember do you remember that i don't i don't know when you started going
0: I mean, I started going in 2000, well, right after Joyce passed away.
1: Okay. So like nine yeah. or
0: ten. Yeah. So I, I think it was 2010, um, October of 2010. And okay. I think Joyce passed away in, in nine, 2000.
1: 2009, yeah. Oh,
0: 2009. Yeah. Yeah. So I went, I went about a year after that. So, so yeah, I remember um, I remember that. It just was
1: more and remember we practiced on Sunday mornings and the Hare Krishna's like would be chanting outside when we were doing lead class on Sunday mm-hmm. morning. And then that conference was at four thirty in the afternoon on Sunday. I loved that. That was my favorite.
0: That was like the it that was like um the red carpet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like everyone showed up in all of their bling. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> looking all cute their hair fixed they had makeup on and you know it's like <laughs> it's
0: like oh these people don't are they, these these who people are you? don't, I don't either know either who are. All the time. you are yeah know. i had to re No makeup
1: and sweaty hair pulled back in a ponytail you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> seriously so um and so when did you get authorized you know because like that that's your first trip back you know you go you know you spend this time in boulder maui and you know, and then you go the first trip. I mean, when did you get authorized? Was it that trip or was it the next no, trip? No,
1: I went... So I went that year in 2014. I went February through April 4th. He taught through April 4th that year. And then I went... And he told me not to come back that time. He said, come back in the fall. So I went back in October, November, December. And my back went out in the middle of the trip. Because um, leg class is hard on my back. I need to move a little slower into updog. dog. Yeah. And so... At the end, I had this guy do some Thai massage on me, and he uh, popped my back at, back in place. So I started doing my dropbacks, and shot started me on doing intermediate series. And I took a meeting with him, because my first trip, he told me to take a meeting with him every time, because he wanted to check in with me. I don't know why, but he told me that. So I um, had a meeting with him, and he told me he was going to authorize me that trip, because there's no one... Uh, teaching anywhere near where I am. Up Chicago was the closest, and then all the way down to I think Louisville, Kentucky, wherever Laura mm-hmm. Spalding is. I don't remember where that Tennessee yeah. or something like that. Kentucky. Yeah. And so he knew people at WashU, which is a big university in St. Louis, and he was going to send them to me. And he said, But your back went out, so I want to wait a little bit longer and see how you're doing. And I was like, What? What? You know, that was kind of like a mind fuck. I was like, What? <laughs> He so he, he didn't authorize me on my third trip, but on my fourth trip. So 2016, September 26th, I think is when I left St. Louis for good. I, didn't, I decided I was not going back. And he authorized me that trip there. Awesome. And I left from there and went in January to teach in Germany. And I had been going back and forth between India and Germany ever since then.
0: Wow. That's crazy, I mean, I, and I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, you know so i I know that you've spent a lot of time at Mysore, like basically living there well, I like, try to live there, but you know they make me leave they make yeah they make me <laughs> leave um, so what was that like? you know, because whenever all of the students are gone and there's just a few a handful of people or maybe just there's a
1: fall. I love it. It's I love Indian people. I have the best luck in my life with Indian people. They love me. I love them. I don't know why. I have, you know, you can go with the thing. A lot of them tell me that I've lived many lifetimes in India and I I live a Hindu lifestyle more than most of them do. And I know a lot of things about their culture that a lot of them are getting westernized and moving away from that, you know. So um, I don't know. I never had that happen before, but when I got to Mysore, I felt like it was home. And it's not just Mysore; it's, I, I like traveling around India too. But Mysore is kind of the best base because it's really it's peaceful there, and everywhere else in India isn't terribly peaceful. No, it's not peaceful at all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, So it just, I was, I had come home back to St. Louis when I was still there, and I was, someone was asking me how I felt about India and why I liked it, and I was telling them whatever, and they said, Oh, it sounds like you're talking about home. And I was like, Wow, you're right. I've never thought of that, but maybe I'm supposed to live there, you know? So I don't know, it just feels, it feels right. You can look at my phone, and I have Messenger whatsapp messages mostly from my indian friends all around the country (laughs) because that's who i keep in touch with the most i that's that's what made me start maybe believing in reincarnation (laughs) maybe i did live there a million lifetimes before and so i just have a natural uh affinity for their culture it just makes sense to me for whatever reason
0: yeah, and do you think that you know it kind of immersed you in yoga um, oh, even, yeah. even more so? I think I think the one
1: thing that gets me about um, teaching is I really want to prepare people to go to my to go to India because I think just being in India you learn more about yoga, you know? Yeah. it's it's, it's kind of in the people it's in the it's in the air it's in the ground it's in the water and it's not that they're all practicing yoga but they've lived the principles and the spiritual lifestyle for thousands of years you know and so it's just there and i really feel i don't know how i think yogic experiences are possible everywhere but i really think to get the the juice of it, you have got to go
0: to India, you know. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's an essential element too. Yeah. Um, you know, someone kind of completing their, especially yoga. with
1: ashtanga within ashtanga. You know, that's where it comes from. If you go there, you really you really get
0: more. You know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm wondering, you know, like I hear you talk about India and I hear you talk about like, you know, the, the practice. And, you know, I can hear that thing in your voice, like where it's really like kind of drawn out the person that you're supposed to be. But what does the practice mean to you today? Like, well, I mean, and, and also, why do you even why do you do it still? You know, well, because we both know it's hard. It's hard.
1: And I'll tell you what I was last year in Mysore. I was in India for 10 months last year. Um, and was sick half the time and lost a lot of strength in my body. So once I started feeling better, um, I started practicing and I, I ended up doing all of intermediate again, which I hadn't done since 2008. Wow. And I went from that and, you know, doing dropbacks and thinking about TikToks a little bit, you know, not really wanting to do them, but thinking about them a little bit, um, And I got here in Arizona and about a month after I was here, my body started retaliating against all of that. It was not having it. And I've gotten this weird tightness in my body. Mm -hmm. Um, So I can barely do half of primary right now. Like my twists are, I don't know what's going on. So Mm -hmm. I've kind of had to change my idea of what, practicing Ashtanga yoga is, you know?
0: Sure. And what did you change the idea to? I feel it doesn't matter.
1: And this sounds horrible because we're asking our students to do, to do a whole practice, right? Uh, a whole practice means whatever you've done that day to me now, you know, right now, if I can feel good while I'm doing Surya Namaskar A and B and the standing postures and I can get through, um, with integrity, as much of primary as I can do that day. Whatever's going on with my body is allowing something one day, and the next day it's not. I feel like I did a really great practice, you know. Yeah. Um, it's not about to me anymore. All of the postures and doing them all to feel complete. It's about feeling complete in whatever my body's kind of going to allow me to do that day so i had to you know and i went from for the first time in a decade doing full intermediate in Mysore. i was teaching um i found this new this new guru that i'm gonna go study with and all that and i was all excited and that and i get here and then boom i got i got nothing (laughs) you know but i'm finding a lot of juice in what i can do now you know it's i'm i'm bringing more breath to it i'm bringing more energy to it i've really got to take my time and think about what Mula means in a posture while I'm moving through postures, you know, yeah. Um, using, using the time I have and getting the energy to be more, uh, more energizing instead of depleting, you know, because sometimes you can just push through the physically and you feel depleted and I don't want to feel that way anymore. I want, I think yoga means union. I should feel that while, when I'm finished, you know?
0: Sure. And how does it make you feel? when you get done with your practice?
1: Well, some days I feel like shit. Um, (laughs) I mean, come on. I mean, that's just general. Some days it's like, Oh fuck, you know? All right. But like today I, I only did standing and then closing and I feel amazing, but I also did pranayama because, you know, I learned the pranayama yoga, the Ashtanga pranayama sequence from Nancy years ago. Um, And I find that to be really grounding. And especially right now with the thing going on that's, a respiratory virus right um sure i feel like as much pranayama as i can do is good and it really makes it feel complete i think the ashtanga pranayama sequence almost feels like you practiced when you're
0: done <laughs> yeah it, it does for sure it's and so you can be intense. threatened by the time you get yeah, done. it's
1: so intense but i feel like wow i've got you know i can i can go i've and got conquer it. the day yeah oh. so i've been doing it a lot more lately because my physical side is kind of lacking in the asana practice. I'm, I'm enjoying doing that, that level of intensity. So I'm still bringing the intensity, but just in a different way.
0: Yeah. And do you feel like, um, you know, there's a certain like spiritual, you know, connection that you're getting? I mean, do you feel like there's a, there's this deeper connection that you're getting through the practice?
1: Yeah. I think that's the important stuff. And as I've gotten older, that really, is the important part of it for me. I've also come to a different idea of what spirituality is. I, you know, instead of separating it away from life, I think all life is spiritual, but I think we have to be open to seeing it rather than thinking, having a spiritual experience is a separate thing that happens once in a while. I think that's the good thing about being here in the desert. There's a high quality of spiritual presence here. You know, it's really, you can die here. (laughs) (laughs) Like if you go for a hike, everything has thorns on it or is very venomous and you could die hiking. So you have to really embrace that. And if you embrace that death is, just another facet and a transformation in life, then you can live like, uh, actually live life and feel the spirit in it more fully. And that's happened with the yoga and just with just, you know, getting older and, um, with all the other stuff I do with the, you know, the, the kind of the pujas and stuff I do, I feel that's the important stuff to me now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, great stuff. Um, you know, I I was really excited that you accepted my offer to be on the show and uh, you know, thanks for sharing your past and your philosophy on yoga and the journey. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And uh, you know, I hope that I get to see you in Mysore and, and I just want to thank you a lot for being on the show because like I said in the beginning, you know, like you have some compelling things that you bring up on a continual basis that you know, I think a lot of ashtanga people are, are pay attention to and they're like, "Hey, you know what? Like this is this is compelling things and you share vulnerable and I, you know, I, I just appreciate you doing that today too. Thank, so thank you. you so much for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it.
0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. If you want more information about ashtanga yoga, visit ashtangayogacolumbus.com. You can also check out my website, which is taylorhuntyoga.com. See you guys next time.